and welcome to Mind and Money, the series where we discuss how what goes on in your brain as well as your family background affects what you do with your cash. I'm Becky O'Connor and I'm pleased to have Greg Davies, Head of Behavioural Finance at Oxford Risk, with me again for the fifth episode, recording on a very windy May day. This month, we're looking at gender. So Greg, are there fundamental differences between men and women when it comes to money? Well, there are differences. Um, I think it's questionable how fundamental there are. Um, if you, th- th- there's a lot of academic work on this. If you measure a large uh, population of women and a large population of men, then you can just you can demonstrate that on average there are differences between them. So, for example, uh, we know that women on average show slightly lower risk tolerance than men do. They're slightly less willing to take risk. Now. I think what is really important to say very quickly after this is that those differences are very small on average. So, you know, you need a big population to be able to statistically be clear that there is a difference. And secondly, and more importantly, that the variation within each of those populations completely swamps any difference between them. So whilst we can say on average women are slightly less tolerant than men, it is really, really easy to find individual women that are very high risk tolerance and individual men that are very low risk tolerance. And I think the vital importance here is we need to treat investors as individuals. The individual is just vastly more important than trying to stereotype on the basis of of any divisions, uh, whether it's gender or or any other form of of discrimination. Understanding the financial personality of that person is absolutely paramount. So where does that financial personality come from then? And, and, you know, thinking about these small differences between men and women, although they are small, um, is there something we can do in schools? Is there something that parents can do? And how much do parents in school and the way people tend to treat girls and boys differently, um, how much does that have an influence on how how they invest later on? Yeah, so the the old nature-nurture debate where it applies to to investing. Uh, Of course, it's it's very difficult to be conclusive either way. And and the answer is it's it's a mix of things. But for example, uh, some things are not about the culture and not about the environment. Uh, We know in all manner of activities that, for example, young men take more risk than women. And that is quite closely related to testosterone levels and just, you know, aspects of physiology and and, and hormones. So there is clearly that aspect built into it. But it is also true, hopefully much less so today than in the past, that um, I think there are cultural uh, cultural pressures that may be pushed boys towards investing and towards finance and towards quanti stuff and and, and didn't do the same for girls. And there, there is this difference in expectations. And that may have led to some of what we see, for example, in differences of risk tolerance. Um, the difference that, that is probably most marked, uh, and it's a very interesting one because it has, uh, it has an upside and a downside to it, is just general financial confidence, confidence making financial decisions. And there is where we do see that there is a, um, a difference between men and women. Men are more overconfident than women are. And I think a lot of that probably comes not from anything hormonal or anything built into our DNA, but probably comes from the the culture and the environment. Yeah. I mean, thinking back to my own school days, there was this sort of view that boys were better at maths and girls were better at English. 
Um, and then that feeds through into your own self-perception to some extent because you think, well, I'm an English person, I'm verbal and, um, you know, the boys in the class are much better at numbers and you then, it's like you sort of self-select as one or the other and that's you on a path. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I find... I find that um, that sort of historical perception bewildering um, for anyone like I do as both a boy and a girl uh, children. <laughs> I find it quite phenomenal that anyone would think that boys are better at maths and science and anything that requires focus and attention. Full stop. To be quite honest, um, but you you know you're right that the society did did have those um, uh, those prejudices, and of course they they do play out in in how people approach decisions late, later in life. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that in this particular instance, when we're talking about confidence with investing, uh, as I said, there's a good and a bad side to it. The bad side is it means that very often we see that women invest less. They invest later. They take less risk. And they, you know, if they have the money to invest, they often um, you know, they sit with it in cash more. They're, they're, they avoid investing more. And that means over the long term, they get less good returns. The positive side of that coin is with the money that is invested, um, men make far too many trading decisions based on overconfidence that's entirely misplaced. So we see that men tend to trade much more frequently than women, and they're trading on this presumption that they know what's going on, whereas in, you know, in reality, you know, most of the time they don't have a clue. And very interestingly, when you look at the returns that men get and the returns that women get, women on average are better investors than men. And it's partly because they don't have this massive overconfidence of just taking lots of bets on things that they happen to think they know everything about in the moment. Yeah, that's um, how how much of it is to do with uh, women's role with the sort of money chores of the household, do you think? So in a, in a previous job, I did some research that showed that Men uh, in couples where there's a man and a woman, the man tends to take on the sort of long term investing pensions role, whereas women um, take on the sort of day to day management of finances, short term savings, such as for Christmas and holidays, and that there is this sort of role division and it, it was fairly consistent through the ages. So whether the couples couples were in their 60s or in their 20s, this split tended to to form. Um, uh, is that is that the sort of social expectations that are actually governing, you know, which financial activities go to which gender? Well, I guess that must be part of it. And, and you're right, I've seen the same evidence. And, and, and it seems, you know, there, there's, you know, there's genuine evidence about this. And um, it doesn't seem to be shifting very fast. So there are certain stereotyped gender patterns that seem to be perpetuating there, even as other uh, stereotype gender patterns are are, are breaking down, um, and it's an interesting question. You know how how will my why you might you might shake that, and I think some of it is to do with that that confidence issue. Some of it is just the historical perception that you know the the, uh, the pensions and the investing thing is the is the male side of it. There's absolutely no reason from either a financial perspective or from a behavioral perspective, why that should continue to be the case or why it would be a good idea. It's just something that sociologically we seem to uh, be rather stuck with at the moment. How, how much of it do you think is um, 
governed by the communications and marketing material that the investment industry puts out. And, um, you know, again, one of the conclusions from the the research that I did a couple of years ago was that um, the investment industry to a woman doesn't look like it's for them. And so as a result of that, there's a sort of invisible barrier up there, um, a subconscious barrier. Um, and that, that is actually a lot to do with the lack of confidence that women display compared to men. It, it's actually the messaging that's coming from the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and that becomes self-perpetuating. Uh, the industry portrays this image of, you know, numbers and uh, testosterone bravura. If you're investing, you're brave. We call our, our portfolios adventurous, the sort of stuff that, you know, <laughs> the, uh, you know, explorer man wants to go out and, and, and hunt returns, etc. I mean, you know, I can think of a number of adverts where, uh, you know, investing is is using the terminology of of hunting, of of you know, going out and stabbing things, and and I I think that is right, um, and I can see why that would be um, off putting because you've got, I mean, marketers are very good at targeting for their audience, but when across the whole industry the targeting is towards one half rather than the other half. You know that can perpetuate the, the the gap. Where I think there is a danger is in going completely to the other side. Is in creating the oh well we've got men's financial products over here and women's financial products over here and here's a whole bunch of stuff that we've coloured pink and made fluffy and uh, that frankly I, I you know it just well you'll have a better idea than I will. I'm not qualified to to comment on that. But when we've seen this tried. In the industry, you know the the women's bank, the women's. It, it, I think it has more of a negative connotation than anything else. Where I think the real answer is is if you strip out whether someone is male or female, and you simply look at various aspects of their financial personality, and we we segment the world out there according to their financial personality and their attitudes, we can identify groups of people that share similar sorts of attitudes or similar things that they're comfortable or uncomfortable with. And even before we knew whether those, you know, the proportions in those groups that were men and women, if we went, let me design a proposition that speaks to what I know about these people's behavioral attitudes and these people's financial personality. Now, it will be the case that some of those groups will have more women in them and some of them will have more men in them, but all of them will have some of both. And what you do then is you say, actually, really, gender is not the issue here. What the issue is, is what is your level of confidence? What is your level of risk tolerance? Uh, what are the things that interest you? Let me design a proposition around that. And in doing so, it may end up that I speak to slightly more women or, or res- it resonates with slightly more women in this case or resonates with slightly more men in this case. But you run this, you, you, you avoid this complete thing of, let's as an industry, either market to our stereotypical man or our stereotypical woman, which frankly, probably annoys most of everyone in the middle. Yes, I, I would totally agree with that. As the, the pinkification, isn't it, of investment is what it's, what it's called. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly say as a woman that that is pretty off-putting. Um, I don't actually like pink that much. Um, I, one, one thing that has um, occurred to me as a, as a mother um, is that women um, who are mothers tend to put the needs of their children before their own needs and and um, it's almost sort of by default and then 
then that could feed through into not investing for yourself um, or for your, you know, your pension or your own long-term financial security because you're continually putting the needs of your children first. So I wonder if there's a sort of a mother difference as well um, that needs to be looked at or father. Yeah, I I, I guess this certainly could be. Um, I confess I, I, I can't claim to have any direct evidence of that, but there, there is some evidence that once, and this is not a, this is not a mother, mother versus father thing. Generally, when people have kids, their uh, risk-taking behavior does change. So, male or female, we tend to drive slower and more carefully once we have children, and then our children in the car. You know, and you indulge less in dangerous sports, and you sell the motorbike, and so it is entirely plausible to think that these things, uh, that there are differences that play out once people become parents. And some of that might be in a, a focus on investing, quote unquote, in the, t- in the child rather than investing in, in the future. Um, some of that might simply be playing it more safe in your investing activities um, and, and you know, being less prepared to, to roll the dice, as it were. But of course, that's that's not always the best strategy, is it? For long term growth, that lower lower risk profile, um, and you know, tendency, for instance, to put um, money uh, in juniorizers into cash juniorizers rather than stocks and shares juniorizers, even though the time frame is generally um, long enough to justify investing instead. Um, so you know, there's a real risk there, isn't there, that that women. Um, who may or may not be parents and mothers um, are uh, actually um, not achieving their goals because of this uh, risk aversion. Yeah, I completely completely agree. I think this is one where the irony is, once you have children to think of, that's exactly when your time horizon should be lengthening, and you're actually taking a little bit more risk to 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 fund the further future, and yet. Very often, people use it as an ex- as an excuse not to, um, and there are enough excuses out there not to invest in the future and to sit on cash and to be uncomfortable. But I do think that you know, children should extend one's emotional horizon uh, rather than reduce it. And the right answer, invariably, there, as with all good investing, is figure out what you need in the short term, put the rest of it to work. Add a reasonable amount of risk, and then try to leave it alone. Absolutely. So, how how can we frame investment to better appeal to women? Then, if we're not pinkifying it, um, and you know we're, we're avoiding all those awful stereotypes that actually you know the the research doesn't um, bear out as true, um, then what what can we do? Well, in general, and and this actually isn't a women specific thing because, as I say, many of these these sort of attitudinal segments we might look at will have a fair number of men in them as well. But the financial services industry is laden with jargon and acronyms. I mean, it's fascinating. We spoke a few weeks ago about um, responsible investing and social investing. And, you know, the one term that the industry pushes out again and again is ESG, which nobody understands. Uh, and it's easy to spell. And, and, but the industry loves acronyms. Um, it, it loves jargon. And financial services is largely full of people who are very comfortable with numbers uh, and like to think that the rest of the world wants to view, view everything through the lens of numbers. The reality is no one really 
ever buys a quantitative risk return trade-off. We buy a story and we buy a narrative. And I think, you know, you, you could argue that that is particularly true of, of women versus men who might be a sort of a bit more geekier about chasing the measurement type of stuff. So in trying to design propositions for these groups of people who, whether they're men or women, may be slightly less confident, maybe slightly lower risk tolerance, maybe slightly um, more interested in how this resonates with my values and my story and what's important to me. I think in doing that, you will naturally speak to a lot of women who perhaps don't feel that the industry is doing a good job of, of serving them. You will also speak to a fair number of men who feel the same thing. Yeah. And it's, um, it's maybe to do with role models too, isn't it? You know, we don't see that many women, um, it, you know, who are in the investment industry or who are, um, you know, really great investors. You know, the sort of greats of investment tend to be men, don't they? Because that's historically how it's been. Um, and so maybe role models would help a bit too. Yeah, I think that's right. And and that plays out in, in media as well. So, you know, the whole... Wolf of Wall Street type of uh, stereotype, the testosterone fueled, in that case, drug fueled bravura of the trader and the stockbroker, etc. Um, I think still lingers on in people's imaginations. And when we, uh, I mean, if you look at some of the marketing that's been done around things like the the GameStop and and cryptos, etc., you know, it's all about. Bravura, and if you don't jump on now, then you know you're a you're a coward and a loser. And it's 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 that sort of social media fueled and other media fueled um, stereotypes that that are continue to play out in the popular imagination. I think when it comes to people thinking about finance and investors. Absolutely. Well, listen, Greg, it's been fascinating as ever to talk to you, um, and thank you very much for your insights. And thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. And of course, you can find loads more investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next month for another episode of Mind and Money. <laughs>